You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. everyone and welcome to the Health Hub. I am your host Kathy Biasse and I'm here with our producer Alex Diaz. Just before we get started with today's program, we would like to take this opportunity to inform you of a worldwide marathon taking place from May 23rd to May 27th. This marathon is to help raise funds in order to establish other Radio Maria stations around the world so that we are able to bring the good news of Jesus through Mary to all corners of the world. During the week of May 23rd to May 27th, volunteers will be available from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. to take your pledges. So please help us to help Our Lady bring Jesus to the world. So welcome to the show how are you doing, Alex, this morning? I'm doing well. Thank you once again for having me on. Oh, hey, it's my pleasure. <laughs> Helpful to me. Your voice is a little raspy. What's going on? Uh, yesterday, I went to the Jays game, so this is the result of that. <laughs> oh, and you were cheering for the Jays? You were cheering against the ref or umpires? Or what was going on? It was a combination of everything. Uh, the umpires made some bad calls, in my opinion, and uh, I let them have it. And you let them have it. Yeah. Hopefully you're right down by their ear. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing. If I was, they would be deaf by yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was nice to see Eddie back, not in the right uniform, but I nice know, to it have did, him back. I know. It did feel a bit strange to see him in, in that Cleveland uniform. But It did. I was, I was actually quite sad. Quite sad. I don't think he wanted to leave us. But anyways, I'm back from a week off in Jamaica. We were live before I left and took a week off. And hopefully you enjoyed uh, our interview last week with Wise Monkey. That was really fun for me to do. Um, So we are live, as I said. You can reach us at 416-245-1534 if you want to call into today's show. You can also reach us um, at our Twitter, at Radio Maria Can, or at Kathy underscore Biasse. Lots of ways to get in touch with us. I do apologize. Uh, two weeks ago in our first live show, we had a little issue with the phones. So those of you who called in, I do apologize. Uh, hopefully we've got it all straightened out and give it a shot again this week. It was uh, really relaxing in Jamaica for me. And one of the highlights, actually, Alex, of my trip, I ran into, I didn't run into, but a man came to the resort. He was called a bushman. And he was a bushman in every sense of the word. And he brought all of his remedies and herbs and Mm -hmm. plants. And it was actually quite, I could have sat and talked to him for about an hour. But there were people behind me and my kids were, you know, all right, mom, let's move on. Let's move on. But it was really, what was very cool about him was that he uses things that I recommend all the time to people here, and, you know, superfoods. And, and one of the, the things that I love is turmeric. And that was one of his favorite remedies. And using it in teas, it was really, really interesting to talk to him. A lot of fun, a lot of fun, but well-rested now. I actually have um, a couple of pictures up on my, my social social media, so Instagram and on my Facebook page. And he was, he was everything you'd expect a Bushman to be. His beard was long. He had uh, mm-hmm. you know, lots and lots of hair, but really a lovely man to talk to. So it was a lot of fun. Wonderful. It was. It was great. Um, and when it comes to foods and herbs, of course, being a nutritionist, it's something that I'm, I'm on top of all the time or I try to be on top of. And there are many, many foods on our shelves that are considered superfoods. And as I'm saying that, I'm actually doing air quotes. Uh, you know, anything from blueberries, which are, are good for uh, insulin suppression, lots of phytonutrients, great for, for many, many things, inflammation. Um, and actually, the... Superfood means highly nutritionally dense foods that are beneficial for, for our overall health. 
And one of the foods that I eat all the time, and I always recommend to, I should say always, always is not the right word, but 95% of the time to people I work with are hemp hearts. And I love hemp hearts. I love the taste of them. And I love the nutritional value of them. For me, I focus on the proteins and the omegas in them. And the vast majority of people um, that I see really can benefit from from using hemp hearts. But um, using hemp hearts and only that within the hemp hemp world of food is, is quite limited. And one of the things that I find, uh, I often find interesting is that people sometimes get confused about what hemp, hemp hearts, hemp products are. Mm-hmm. And I've actually had a couple of people say, you're asking me to have hemp? And yeah. um, I, I said, yes, but what, what's your concern? Well, isn't the, won't that make me go loopy? Right. There's a lot of confusion out there. There's a ton work. of confusion out there from the history of hemp. You know, people, people, I think one of the, one of the key reasons that um, there is confusion is that uh, hemp is from, is, is a species of, of the cannabis sativa family. And I think some people, once they hear the word cannabis, they, they just go off on a tangent. So our show today is devoted to the myth busting of hemp and to bringing you a great deal of knowledge about the history of the hemp industry and opening your eyes to the many, many beneficial, healthful properties that incorporating hemp into your diet can have. So our guest today is Greg Harriet from Metrum Originals, and when we come back, I will introduce you to him, and he in turn will introduce you to this wonderful plant called hemp. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Health Hub. Just a reminder that we are live. If you'd like to call in with questions or comments, please do at 416-245-1534. You can hit us on Twitter at, at @radiocan or my own account at Kathy underscore Biasse. So I'm going to introduce you to Greg Harriet from Metrum Originals. For over 24 years, Greg has been defined as a pioneer in the hemp history hemp industry. Well ahead of the curve and after two years in R&D, Greg launched Hempola, the first hemp food brand in Canada in 1995. Working alongside Health Canada to pave the way towards industrial hemp legalization, Greg grew the first history-making hemp harvest on Canadian soil in 1998. He subsequently developed oil extraction methods that set the industry standard worldwide. With numerous inventions and awards, Greg is considered a leader in hemp innovation. From his octagon hemp straw bale and biofuel heated farm home to his long-standing partnerships with the hemp farming community and industry stakeholders, Greg remains a pivotal voice in the Canadian hemp industry. Welcome to the show, Greg. Well, thank you very much, Kathy. It, uh, it was a great intro. Appreciate that. Well, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. I know it's an awkward time of day sometimes for people, and I'm sure you'd like to be outside on this gorgeous day. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, there's a, a lot of misunderstanding about hemp. And why don't we just start off with the very basics, as Alex even mentioned, what is hemp? Well, hemp, hemp is, a, is a plant. You know, genus and species, as you mentioned, um, cannabis sativa. Um, subsequent to that, we have uh, about 30 different varieties of hemp that are approved to grow in Canada under Health Canada regulations. Mm-hmm. So it's a crop um, not unlike many of our commodity crops, you know, corn, wheat, soybeans. Uh, but hemp has a lot more to offer, uh, both in nutrition and you know, environmental uh, fortitude with respect to soil preservation and, and things like this. So it's it's an exciting time. You know, we're 20 years into it, um, but, you know, we have to use parallels like, you know, canola in Canada. It was rebranded 60 years ago from mm-hmm. from its old name, rapeseed. And, right. and now, you know, now it's very much a commodity crop. So I think we're definitely on the right direction in developing hemp in Canada. Canada has carved out a global uh, leadership um, reputation for for foods, superfoods, and um, you know we're happy happy to be to be uh, you know part of the founding of this and, and watching the movement accelerate like crazy right now. What got you involved in the hemp industry? Well, there were three main motivators. Um, back in 1993, um, I was I was running a graphic design business. Uh, we were we were uh, very good communicators. We won a lot of awards over the years. And, and we often did um, our own promotional work uh, to to generate more clients and and you know prove how effective we could be and, and just to test ourselves. So I had heard about the concept of industrial hemp through a very close friend who was living in Oregon at the time, and uh, we were just catching up on a friendly phone call, and he started to mention it, and and I was very skeptical, uh, and he he assured me, no, this is this is for real, and I'll send you some information. And he did, and and uh, it came in the mail, you know, about a week later. And I I literally stayed up all night reading everything he sent me, and I was just just amazed with it all. So, I think the three main motivators that um, that uh, you know made us decide, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna create something that didn't exist before surrounding industrial hemp um the three the three triggers were the um the nutritional aspect uh you know hemp really is a superfood and we'll get into that um secondly were, were the environmental issues uh surrounding the crop and how it would fit in and benefit the planet and the third was was the the um really sort of tainted reputation based on how prohibition came to be and it was it was you know very much um it was a phenomenal book out there called The Emperor Wears No Clothes, and it chronicles, you know, a lot of what went on back in, you know, the 1920s and leading up to 1938 when prohibition um, happened officially. So it was it was part of part of our mission in communicating outward was, you know, to describe to people just what went on and and how um, how we've created this, you know, crazy double weed reputation over mm-hmm. over a plant that's absolutely phenomenal. 
Well, maybe we could start with those three motivators and start with prohibition because I know that um, that is sort of an area that people are confused about. I've had people ask me, is there um, psycho properties to uh, hemp? And, you know, obviously they're not. And maybe you can explain, you know, why people came up to this idea that hemp is a dangerous crop to grow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we need to go back to that that stage um, when when things started to mount. Um, leading up to like like when 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 we started to settle, and I say we, I mean Europeans, for the most part, began to settle North America. Hemp was widely grown. It was very much a crop that was necessary. You know, um, when you look back at at um, the, the uh, tall ships and how hemp played an active role in sailcloth and, and rope and cordage. I mean, it was, it was grown, uh, and some of the settlers were ordered to grow it. Um, people could pay taxes with hemp uh, that they harvested back in the 1700s. The, the Royal Navy settled in Upper Canada around Kingston, and, and um, they grew hemp prolifically to, uh, to fashion their, their uh, ropes and cordage and sailcloth. And, um, in fact, there's a very interesting seed breeder in Belleville, Ontario, who has um, has successfully reintroduced two varieties that come out of the hemp that was grown in the 1700s for the Royal Navy. Um, but hemp had always been a very labor-intensive crop, um, and it was the 1920s where uh, we got really serious. And Mount Forest, Ontario, was a was a hub for this, but. Um, you know, primarily, you know, farm operators, they're, they're very much geniuses when it comes to mechanization. They, they began working on how to, how to mechanize the harvest of hemp. And um, it took years and years. And finally, in 1931, again, it's all chronicled in Emperor Wears No Clothes. It's a good resource. But in 1931, at the Royal, or not the Royal, the World Science Fair in Chicago, um, a machine that mechanized the harvest of hemp was unveiled at this science fair. At the same fair, um, chemical company uh, launched nylon, synthetic fiber. And uh, what had happened then was an immediate contest. So, so the chemical company with nylon and the cotton industry and the tobacco industry and big oil, like all of these big corporations, really, really looked at hemp as a major threat to to their um, to their progress. And so they they got together and mounted probably one of the best you know public relations smear campaigns for for hemp um, in modern history. And this is when you started to see 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 Hearst. William Hearst was one of the one of the um, players in this, and he owned you know millions of acres of of land or had rights to to harvest. Uh, wood for, for paper pulp. So he, he saw the threat as well. And owning all the newspapers across America, they could publish these, these you know, really um, alarmist and, uh, and sensational um, stories about, and the, that's when the term marijuana, which is the slang coming out of Mexico, that's, that's when it surfaced. And all these stories started to come in. And, and you know that that film that was produced in the 30s, Reefer Madness, and on and on and on. So and then they were lobbying as well heavily in Washington D.C. And finally, after you know seven some odd years, they were successful in um, introducing the Marijuana Tax Act. And this was a federal bill that was passed in the U.S. And um, what it essentially did was it, it imposed a tax on the growing of hemp to any farmer so much so that it would create a losing venture if any hemp was grown by that farmer. So it immediately wiped out, you know, the economic viability of hemp to the farming community, and, and hence um, it, it uh, more or less eradicated the crop in, in the, the pass of that bill. So it was the taxes, um, not a psychoactive um, yeah, yeah. component that first went? Yeah, yeah. and then, oh. and then, and then the, the Drug Enforcement Agency went to work further to this, and you know, built on this whole campaign and built on, on you know, marijuana as a narcotic and, and getting it into Schedule 1 um, uh, format uh, as a Schedule 1, you know, high-security, high high-risk uh, narcotic and completely ignoring, you know, all of the potential um, 
uses and, and goodness that this crop would, would bring to us, you know, for uh, the benefit of, of uh, corporate acceleration. So it, it, it maddened me, you know, personally, and, you know, that was one of the three motivators to, to get this out there and to, to start something and, and bring it full circle so we can go back to, you know, our starting points where, where we, hemp was definitely part of our society and part of our, our um, agricultural fabric across uh, North America. Well, let me get into inside maybe some listeners' heads because this question is in my head. Um, so, no psychoactive properties in the hemp. It was the taxes. So, the mm-hmm. industrial hemp now that we have growing in Canada are any parts of that plant containing any psychoactive components? No, no, no. Very, very trace amounts. I mean, you know, when you look at the chemistry of of cannabis at large, um, you know, you have these these molecules called cannabinoids, and and we know through science now there are over a hundred different cannabinoids, and we know very little, if any, about you know a hundred of them. We know to a certain degree um, a lot about uh, THC, which is the psychoactive cannabinoid, uh, stands for tetrahydrocannabinol, and then cannabidiol, which is non psychoactive. So hemp. Uh, the varieties that are approved to grow have all been um, have all been bred to to uh, to take out the THC, the psychoactive cannabinoid. Yet, industrial hemp still has very very significant amounts of these non psychoactive cannabinoids. That I think, and while I know I'm absolutely certain that over the next few decades, as medical science gears up more and more and more, and there's already been a ton of work done in this area that these non-psychoactive cannabinoids and how they affect our health are going to, you know, just, just divulge so much more positive um, information for us. Yeah, I'm uh, hoping um, we time. don't run out of time and talk about this, but I, I read an article not too far back that we actually have receptors um, on our brain, within our brain. Am I correct? For the, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, it's, the, it's the a fascinating. That, if people are interested, if they, if they search endocannabinoid system, and and um, the information that's out there now is is uh, significant, and in that system there are those receptors that you're talking about that uh, we need to feed those receptors with um, with uh, foodstuffs um, and extracts from from hemp. We're going to get into the other the other two uh, motivators for you uh, mm-hmm. to to get this to get your hemp off the ground basically, but. What I'm really interested in, I, I had someone ask me, without a word of a lie, if you're able to juice this plant. If you're able to which? Sorry. Juice it. Um, juicing hemp, live hemp, would be a phenomenal method to you know, create a, 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 a super nutritious um, drink, smoothie, whatever. The industrial hemp regulations at this point, they, they, they need a... Um, they need a, an update, and Health Canada knows this, and it's on their slate of things to do. And we expect it to be updated within a year. But the way the regulations are written now, and, and let's let's be honest, I mean, these regulations were drafted in the mid-'90s, and they became law in 1998. So, so at that point, um, you know, society at large knew very, very little about these, these beneficial cannabinoids. So cannabinoids are not dealt with in the regulations, and that's what needs to change. So by law, you cannot juice hemp. Um, but I think that will soon change, um, as I say, likely, hopefully, within a year. So what, what we get is um, industrialized things that are, you, 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 you harvest the, the hemp, you grow the hemp, you mm-hmm. harvest the hemp, and then what's the next process? So once we've cleaned the seeds uh, very well, we need to get all the you know, fine particulate and dust off the seeds from the combine harvester. Then we do one process is taking these whole seeds and cold pressing oil from the whole seeds. So this is where we you know, wrote the industry uh, standard on that in the late 90s through a research grant. And that cold pressed oil is used in a multitude of things. And the co-product is what we call the seed cake. So this is a rough pellet that comes out of the the uh, cold press extruders, and it's this rough pellet that we use to mill our protein powders and our baking flour. And so, so you can see now that we have two uh, really, really highly nutritious, um, tasty ingredients to go into. You know, everything from baking mixes on the flour side to 
salad dressings and lip balm and moisturizing mm-hmm. cream and wood finish on the oil side, not to mention, you know, biodiesel that, uh, that we've been producing for years as well. Biodiesel? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I've, uh, in, in preparing and getting to understand hemp and the hemp products and so forth, I've tried several of your products. And um, when you mentioned the, the hemp oil, I use that all the time. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And my daughter uses the, the lip balm. So we're, mm-hmm. we're bumping up against our first break here. When we get back, hopefully we'll have time to touch on your other two areas. We're definitely going to get into the nutritional properties of hemp and yeah. maybe find out more about the crop and growing it. So we'll see where the conversation takes us, and we yeah. will be back in a few minutes. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Hello, listeners of Radio Maria Canada. Join us from May 23rd to May 27th for the annual Radio Maria Marathon 2017. This is a time where we unite with other Radio Maria stations around the world who need our support. To pledge your support, please visit our website at www.radiomaria.ca. And call us here at the office and speak to our volunteers at 416-245-7117. Thank you for supporting Our Lady's mission of evangelization. 
You're listening to Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Our guest today is Greg Harriet from Metrum Originals. And my mind has uh, got so many questions running through it, Greg. I'm, I was trying to hone in here at the break at what direction I wanted to go in. But um, I think what I'd like to get back to as we touched on the environmental issues and areas, is that being a motivator for you to get into the hemp? And you touched on the biofuel and you've got this great place uh, at your farm. So let's get into that. And I do want to make sure to our listeners, I'll let them know that we will get into the nutritional aspects of hemp. But this is fascinating to me. So I'm, I'm going to think that it's fascinating to people who are listening. So tell us maybe about your home. And that can lead right into the environmental pieces that we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. So in 2001, um, we started to design and build out a um, octagon-shaped hemp straw bale home. And it's a combination of, of home that we've um, spent the last 16 years in, um, raising raising our daughter. She's off at university now. Uh, and it's also um, set up to do tours and educate um, responsibly on what hemp is all about. And as well, you know, we, we've done uh, a great deal of our product development uh, in the building, we've um, designed a, quite a quite a work area, combination kitchen, and and um, lab in a way. And so, as time moves on, we we want to do more to to support local arts and culture um, at the property, uh, which is north of Barrie, right off the Highway 400. Um, so it's it's very much a green home. Back in 2001, our options with respect to um, environmentally responsible construction materials were quite limited. So a lot of how we designed the building uh, dealt with this, you know, passive solar components, you know, simple things like dark pigments and concrete to generate heat quicker. Um, and, and then the aspect, of course, with the hemp, hemp straw bales as, as insulation. Um, it's breathable and super warm, you know, R42 or, or better with respect to insulation value. And, uh, you know, even the shingles that we spec, these are produced in southwestern Ontario. They're made from recycled tires, recycled plastics, and finely chopped hemp fiber, 50-year uh, guarantee, and they look like weathered cedar. It's uh, quite, a, quite a product that's called um, EnviroShake. And that company is still flourishing and doing, doing really well. So, you know, on the environmental side, with respect to growing hemp, uh, there are a number of factors. So, you know, when you look at the, the, the nature of the plant, it sends down a very deep taproot. So a taproot is a root system um, that plants have, certain plants, that is, and it has a leader root that goes really deep into the soil. And as it goes deep into that soil, it starts to draw up trace minerals that you that you don't uh, don't necessarily find in the top layers of soil. And the other thing that this deep taproot does is it finds moisture in times of drought. So, you know, last year we had an excessive drought in uh, in Ontario, and you know we had harvests in every crop, that every every farm, and every crop, every field that we grew last year. And these were profitable situations for farmers, where where in comparison, you know, to corn and beans and wheat, a lot of these crops um, were losing ventures if if any harvest was captured at all because of the drought. So there's that aspect of, of growing hemp. You know, it's it's much more resilient in in these uh, ever changing weather weather patterns that we're faced with. And the other thing that this taproot does is, is it aerates the soil. One of the common problems in modern agriculture with, with massive machines that, that do the, um, the bulk of the work, these, these super huge machines are also super heavy. And when they're passing over fields time and time again, they create compaction to the soil. So you don't have um, root systems in other plants able to penetrate because they're not as aggressive as hemp and they're not getting the trace minerals that they need and on and on and on. So the deep root left at harvest 
it'll break down naturally and create aeration to those deeper levels of soil. The other important aspect with hemp uh, from the farming perspective is you don't apply any pesticides whatsoever to this crop. First of all, there aren't any approved to, to, to apply. Uh, this is the pest management control aspect or, or uh, sector of Health Canada. But without any sprays, whether it's a herbicide or a insecticide or a fungicide, uh, there aren't any applied. So we don't have we don't have to worry about you know residual chemicals in in the food that we eat when, when you're dealing with hemp. So you know we often say hemp um, hemp's, a, hemp's a weed. It grows very aggressively. It grows very fast. And um, and uh, it doesn't it doesn't need you know the 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 input costs and these chemicals to create a harvest. Um, harvest is is the critical point. And farmers are after you know this is our 20th anniversary. That's the 20th year of growing hemp in Canada, and uh, we've learned a lot at the farming level, and we'll continue you know to learn more. Um, and one more aspect, there are several more, but one more that I think is important is. The dense canopy that hemp creates, like it'll germinate in 48 to 72 hours with the right conditions. And it just, it essentially leaps out of the soil and starts to grow immediately. And it forms a really dense canopy of shade. So it outcompetes weeds and it creates so much shade under its canopy that plants can't really get a foothold. You know, at harvest time, you know, you walk behind the, the, the harvest, the harvester, the combine. And yes, you do see some remnant weeds and stuff growing you know, underneath the hemp, but nothing of any consequence. So what that does is it's it's almost a natural herbicide or weed control for the following crop. So it leaves the field very, very clean. And so you're reducing the need to apply, you know, herbicides and, and expensive input costs for a crop that would follow, say it's say it's um, wheat or um, or oats or something like that. So there's there's a lot that uh that it, that it provides to the agricultural community from an environmental aspect, and let's face it, I mean we need to we need to slow down and reduce the application of these of these chemicals, and um, you know that's an education piece in itself. But but hemp hemp fits the bill, you know, solidly in this in this uh, side of things. This whole thing is an education piece for me. It's fascinating. We're here with yeah. uh, Greg Harriet from Metro Originals. If you'd like to talk to him, our number is four one six. Two four five fifteen thirty four. It's fascinating stuff. One question before we get on to the nutritional component of hemp is: Do you need with hemp because of that deep tap root that you talked about? Is this a crop that needs to be rotated, or can you continually uh, plant hemp in the same area? I know with other crops, you may be depleting the soil, growing and growing the same one. Does this apply to hemp? Yes, um, that's the short answer. So okay. just to elaborate a little bit. Um, in farming practice, it's 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 almost mandatory to rotate crops. Um, part of the reason is um, you know not to create like if you grow the same crop year after year, you create a static line, mm-hmm. and you create um, you create uh, more accessibility for pests, i.e., insects and funguses and, and, and this nature, to attack these crops that are growing year after year. So hemp works into a rotation magnificently for all those reasons I mentioned earlier, you know, the deep taproot, the aeration, the, 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 the uh, clean field after harvest and on and on. So what we're seeing in Ontario is, um, you know, rotations. Uh, a lot of most, most, most conventional farmers will rotate with three crops. It'll be uh, wheat, corn, soybeans. Um, we're finding in Ontario uh, that if we start with a cereal like oats, then we go to hemp, then we go to another cereal like wheat or barley, and then we go to a bean crop to fix some nitrogen. You have a really, really excellent rotation here in Ontario. So um, to counter that, however, there's some interesting uh, data that's coming out of Brazil. This is for organic, certified organic sugarcane. And they're growing sugarcane on organic fields year after year with very great success. So we have, um, we have started a bit of our own um, internal research here at our farm. So we've, we've grown hemp two years in a row now in the same field, and we'll try it again year three this season and um, just accumulate the data, uh, you know, focusing on, on, um, on yield rates, um, you know, health of soil uh, before and after harvest, uh, year after year, and, and this type of thing. So, you know, we, you know, 
rule of thumb, as I say, is rotate, but but there are some exceptions, and we want to um, explore these uh, these exceptions to see if there's any benefits to be had. Okay, interesting. So let's get into the health benefits. And mm-hmm. I know, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, my focus has or focus or my understanding is that the omegas and the protein are are the key areas, and I'm going to open that up and say I'm sure I'm missing some other key components. So beyond that or in including that, uh, what are the nutritional, the nutritional benefits of incorporating hemp products into your diet? Well, Kathy, you've hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, to elaborate a little bit, um, when you talk about essential fatty acids, you know, I'm sure everyone uh, knows omega-3. And uh, this is one of several essential fatty acids. Um, interestingly, the ratio or the combination of the mix of the essential fatty acids is very important because they do work together when they metabolize in the body. And hemp happens to be the highest concentration and the best ratio of, of these good fats, these, these essential fatty acids. So it's a combination of omega-3, omega-6, and gamma-linoleic acid. And then further to that, on a monounsaturated fat, is omega-9. So it's a, it's probably the best, well, it is the best source of, of uh, nutritional food oil that, uh, that's produced in nature. The other interesting thing that hemp has that none of the other uh, high essential fatty acid or EFA oils, uh, you know, there's, a, there's, there's several others. There's flax oil, evening primrose oil, fish oils, borage oil. So hemp is the only one uh, compared to all of them that has naturally occurring vitamin E, and these are also um, termed as tocopherols. So mm-hmm. alpha tocopherol and gamma tocopherol. Now what these tocopherols do uh, with their presence in hemp oil is they keep the oil fresh and stable, prevent the oxidation much, much longer than any of the other um, healthy oils that are in the marketplace. Do you cook with hemp oh. oil? You have to be very careful with hemp oil. Um, we cook with it, um, for instance, um, you know, naturals are, are blending it into salad dressings to get your healthy fats. Hemp oil has a really nice, robust, nutty flavor and a, and a rich emerald green color. It's, a, it's beautiful oil. So it blends really well with olive oil, uh, sunflower oil, um, uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll prepare salad dressings. We, we have salad dressings in a bottle as part of our product line. So that's a natural. Dipping oils, you know, where you have a beautiful fresh baguette and um, you do a combination of oils and, and dash in some balsamic and salt and pepper or season to taste and dip your bread in it as an appetizer. Excellent way to uh, enjoy the oil and get your, get your health from it. Um, and then if you're getting into... Uh, heated applications like the oil drizzled on pizza, the oil drizzled on, on pasta or tossed into pasta um, as a marinade for, for quick flash um, grilled you know, fish or, um, or, um, or uh, certain meats uh, works really well. You, you just need to avoid the super high temperature of frying. So don't use it as a frying oil in, in a pan. That's, that's really the only limitation. Okay. Again here with Greg Harriet, if you want to give him a, a call... 416-245-1534. I have a hemp oil that um, I got from your company. I've been using it on my skin. Is that mm-hmm. the same oil that I would use to cook with? It is. Uh-huh. It okay. absolutely is. You know, hemp, hemp oil, um, from a skincare perspective, um, you're, you're going to get transdermal uh, absorption of those good fats when you apply it to your skin. So, you know, the omega-3, omega-6, that whole combo is going to penetrate through your skin into, um, into, your, into your bloodstream. Uh, it also uh, works, and this is proven in science, uh, these EFAs perform anti-inflammatory work. So if you have, you know, um, rashes or psoriasis or things like that, um, it'd be an excellent uh, treatment uh, to, to alleviate uh, the symptoms, anti- anti-inflammatory systems. Or pardon me, symptoms, and then moisturizing. It's uh, excellent. Um, it prevents, you know, uh, the, the term is emollient, and what an emollient does is it prevents water loss from from skin cells. And hemp is way high on the list um, of oils favored uh, as a as a superior superior emollient. So it's it's great for skincare. 
My daughter um, has your, I think I said at the beginning of the show, the lip balm, and uh, she's almost 25, and she said, she, she said, where did you get that lip balm? And I, I told her, your company, and she said, Mom, that is the nicest lip balm I have ever used. We call it lip chap. I know that's not the right word. But she said, that is the nicest I've ever, ever used. I haven't tried oh, that, right. actually, but I have the oil, and, and yeah. I love it. And I've had... Uh, some flour. I've used the flour, and I've used uh, your brownie mix, and the, the oh, it was just delicious. Now, the other aspect, other than the omegas, is the protein. And mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you if hemp is a complete protein. It certainly is. Um, when when people um, you know look at the definition, what is complete protein? So, complete protein is is the combination of nine essential amino acids that uh, that we need. And these essential amino acids um, are in everything from, you know, meat to eggs to, to even potatoes. So, so hemp uh, flour or hemp protein powder or or the shelled hemp seeds or the hemp hearts that you described earlier, Kathy, they all have you know these essential nine um, amino acids. And you know, protein in our bodies, as I'm sure you're aware, um, you know, they're they're second in mass and weight in our total body composition only to water. So proteins are, are in every cell in our body and, and we need to be really conscious of, of ingesting, you know, good balanced and, and, um, and uh, combinations of these proteins. There's so much we can do with food, and I, I try and get that word out to, you know, supplements can be an important part especially if you're in a disease state, but there's just so much that we can do with food. And you don't need a cup of hemp a day. It's so, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's so um, dense in its nutrients that Mm -hmm. a couple of tablespoons a day has great benefit for you. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we would often, in the early days when when we launched the oil, we would often describe, you know, a person of average size and weight um, you know, a tablespoon of oil a day, um, too, if you wanted to get aggressive about it. The same holds true. I mean, when you look at the hemp hearts, the shelled hemp seeds, you know, it's a third good fat, it's a third complete protein, and it's a third dietary fiber. I mean, you can't get a better food uh, in terms of balance and nutrition, so a couple of tablespoons of those. Yeah, the fiber, um, too, is the other, the other important piece um, that, I, that I like to use it for. But to me, fiber is... is a key nutrient in, in health. Mm-hmm. Now, what are the mineral contents of hemp? So it's super rich in iron, mm-hmm. which um, to, to a lot of people is very important in their diet. You know, mm-hmm. um, anemia is something that, that seems to creep in more and more in, in our modern, modern society, and I don't know if it's diet or whatever the, whatever the case may be. There are also a host of other trace minerals in hemp that... Um, that you know are essential to good health. So it, it, it does have those, um, and uh, and we need to um, you know pay attention to those more yeah, so uh, as important. well. It's just, it's such a wonderful food, and I'll I'll give you a few of the applications I use it in, and you can add to it. But I'll put it in smoothies. I put it on top of so these are hemp hearts. I'm talking about. I put it in smoothies. Mm-hmm. I put it on um, uh, yogurt. I'll put it on top of salads because, as you mentioned, it has a real nice, deep, nutty flavor. And mm-hmm. in trail mixes and things like that, any other applications that you can help us out with to use hemp? So, you know, a lot of times people are so busy and they just want to get, you know, a quick breakfast and, and be off and to work and such. You know, my go-to when I have a really, really heavy day ahead of me is I'll, I'll, I'll get a, you know, a really healthy slice of bread, toast it, I'll put on some some almond oil or um, uh, or not almond oil, almond butter or uh, you know organic peanut butter, and then and then a tablespoon or two of of shelled hemp seeds on top of that. It's absolutely delicious, and you know you have a breakfast that takes you well into lunch without mm-hmm. you know the hunger pangs and and on and on. So that's my go-to. Um, but yeah, just get innovative. I mean, we're we're using them in in. Um, in new baking recipes all the time, uh, you know, even even in um, if, you, if you eat oatmeal in the morning, you know, sprinkle it in with your oatmeal mm-hmm. as a breakfast. 
They're yeah, just super yeah. easy to use. Super, super easy, easy to yeah. use. Now, yeah. we're, we're coming up to the end of the show, and I want to give you some time to tell us about your products, your farm, what you'd like people to know, and especially how they can get a hold of your products. Are you in store, your website? Uh, I, I, want, I want people to get in touch with you about this. Well, that's great. So um, our, our products are, are getting more and more into retail locations. You know, some of the, some of the bigger chains, uh, Bulk Barn, uh, Sobeys has, has kicked in with a few of the items, um, uh, Winners, uh, HomeSense, uh, and uh, independent health food stores um, right across Canada, for that matter. I guess we're in about seven or 800 at this point. So we're gaining, we're gaining, you know, the, the presence in the in the retail operations. You can order online at our website, you know, metromoriginals.com. Um, and then at the farm, we, as as I mentioned at the start of the interview, you know, education is so key, and it it, it, it has been since day one, and it still is today. So we we really want to focus more and more and more on on education and farm visits and agritourism, call it what we will, but. We, we organize and offer, you know, formal tours of the farm, which really get deep into, you know, the history and the nutrition and environmental aspects. And, and uh, we have a, a wood-fired oven that, um, that's, that we built actually in the original uh, Pioneer Foundation on the property from 1858. So chefs come in and prepare, you know, hemp pizzas and beautiful innovative salads with um, hemp ingredients. So it's, it becomes an experience of, you know, agriculture, history, um, you know, culinary arts, and uh, people go away always super, super, you know, thankful and excited and, and enlightened. So we want to do more and more of that. Our farm is just north of Barrie, uh, just off Highway 400. Perfect. Perfect. So everyone, you know, metromoriginals.com, that's your first stop. Uh, they have a store locator site on there. Greg is very easy to to get in touch with or somebody at the company. So so do take advantage of all you've learned today. Get on the website and, and really find out more about it. It's, it's such a great, great food, a great plant. And hopefully after today's show, you've got a better understanding of it. So just before we go, um, I want to give you our tip of the day. Many of us take multivitamins on a daily basis, which contain fat-soluble vitamins, usually A, D, E, and K. And fat-soluble means that these vitamins are best absorbed with a fat. So the fat acts as a carrier for the vitamins and shuttles them across the intestinal lining and into general circulation. So I often get people ask me when they should be taking their multivitamin because the multi is a mixture of a fat and a water-soluble. It's always, always best for absorption to take your multivitamin with your meals. So again, I wanted to thank Greg Harriet from Metrum Originals. It was a very enlightening conversation. And we will be back with you again next week. And until then, have a great week. Hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.